Hello, it's Rum Doings number 31. And so I'm going to start by reading out an email what we have got. Because with dedications we've started doing, we've opened up a terrible precedent. So this one says, Hi John, and to a lesser extent Nick, which is a great way to start any email, I think. Um, I'm currently listening to your 30th podcast, which is wonderful, as per, well, of course. And I was touched by your tribute to a chap whose name I can't recall, despite it being a mere three minutes since I heard it. Long-time listener, first-time caller, blah, 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 blah. However, it is my friend's birthday next Wednesday, which is the 16th, which is probably yesterday, um, I believe. He isn't. He says, I believe, like he doesn't know. It's my friend's birthday on the 16th, I believe. Um... He is a fan, an avid fan of yours, and I know it would mean the world to him if you would announce such on your wonderful internet audio organ. His name is John, if you would do him the honour. Um, of course, I wouldn't want to set up a potentially annoying precedent, and will completely understand if you don't, only it will make him sad, you know, he gets weepy, John will understand. And his love and hugs a fan, which is brilliant. So, it doesn't say his name, it says his friend John. And then looking at the two field... For the Fromfield, it says his name is John. Hmm. I think that this might be someone trying to get a birthday dedication to themselves. So, um, yeah, no, I refuse to mention him. I'm not going to read out that email. Good plan. Good plan. So what's the topic this week um, we're going to avoid talking about? Uh, I feel like I'm very in charge this yes. week. I'm doing lots of talking. I think we're not talking about the Liberal Tory coalition. And are you dissatisfied with the results of the Liberal Tory coalition. That's what we're not discussing this week. Not at all. So what should we discuss instead? Football. Mm. <laughs> That's another topic we could not be discussing. Have, do you have any interest in the football at all? Some. I've a lot less since they started doing wall-to-wall media coverage. Mm-hmm. And they seem, particularly when the sports page decided there was nothing else to cover four weeks ago... And all they did was talk about 1966 for four weeks. And well, now it's happened and everyone's upset that it's not as interesting as a cup final. That's true, because 1966 was the last time we were of any worth. I'm trying to pick fluff off the microphone without banging the microphone. So what I'm just going to do is I'm just going to bang the microphone. For e- microphone. So everyone listening, block your ears now. There we go, that must have sounded awful. Um... Yeah, exactly, and it's crazy, and I hate football, and everyone should shut up! I'm bored, leave me alone, why can't we talk about baseball like a good sport? It's because nobody understands baseball. It's easy, you just, it's like you have to hit the ball, and then you have to run around the circle, square. Maybe it reminds people too much of primary school sports. It does, it's rounders, did you have to play rounders at school? I, I did, our, our class, our teacher decided to teach us proper rounders, which had rules like, if the ball hits you, you're out. And so you'd have people throwing a ball at you. At you, of course you would. Of course. And uh, we were challenged to a cricket rounders two-way match by the class above us. And we beat them at rounders and they beat us at cricket. That was were my you... first time playing proper cricket. I was out first ball. Were you allowed to throw the cricket ball at people as well? Did that count as out? No, but it was very tempting at times. I was watching uh, this weekend. I saw this, on, uh, I saw this um, group of kids... I was saying I'm standing watching a group of kids over the weekend and suddenly it's a whole cream tea thing. No. Um... I was, uh, this little group of kids, is really cute, they were like five, six years old and they were playing cricket together, and they kept arguing over the rules, and they had, and one of them said, no, it doesn't count if it comes off your bat and hits the stumps, <laughs> so I thought it was brilliant, yeah, and it's, I think the rule for him was it didn't count so long as it, he was it batting, that's well, when it didn't count. 
it, it would probably be even more true if he owned the bat or the ball. It's my ball, yeah. my rules. <laughs> That's right. I'm going home now. That's great. I think they should introduce that rule into major sporting events like the World Cup. Mm-hmm. It's my ball. <laughs> South Africa just storms off. <laughs> it's our ground. I don't care if you score more goals. It's not fair. You hate, we hate you. We're allowed 15 people because we're the home team. <laughs> That's right. My mum says that I'm allowed to win and you guys are bullies. How exciting is it? are you? How excited are you? I don't care about football, so as I've established. Um, and I just find the whole thing an affront on my day that it's constantly um, just thrown in my face. Um, but how excited are you by the potential of a North Korea versus South Korea game of football? I think that would be it'd be interesting on many levels, but probably not the football itself. It would probably be on those niggly matches. Yeah. And how likely is it? I don't know that much about the way the World Cup's set up. I mean, other than North Korea likely to go out next. I believe what happens is the winner of the World Cup goes on to play in the Universal Cup. Oh, okay. Um, where all the various different planets okay. compete. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. Is that what happens in baseball after the Americans win the World Series? That's right, Again. the World Series takes place. In... But the, here's the thing, okay, it is ridiculous that the World Series is the National League versus the American League, which is brilliant. You've got an American <laughs> League and a National League. Oh, okay. um, and then you win the World Series once you've won out of those two teams. Um, but the players come from the Dominican Republic, from Venezuela, from Japan, from, um, you know, just all over the place. So they, it's quite an international crowd playing the game. It's just not particularly played on an international level. Oh, and Canada. Oh, OK, of course. Because you've got the Toronto Blue Jays, they're competing. Oh, yes. So that's pretty much most of the world, isn't it, once you've got Canada as well? Oh, yeah. They exactly. represent everyone else. That's true, yes, Canada. Canada in this tournament are playing the part of everyone else in the world. I hated rounders because it always seemed like it was going to be a lot more fun than it actually was. Mm. Like the concept seems quite fun, but then the rules seem to be designed for grumpy old lady teachers. Yeah, apparently rounders came from baseball rather than the other way around. Oh, is that right? Yeah, everyone goes in that voice they always use. <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, if it come from America, it must have come from the UK first. Mm-hmm. Type mm. thing. Like when people say, don't say truck, say lorry. No, truck came long before from England. And soccer is the other yes. one. Yeah. Soccer came first, not football. Oh, All these people going, oh, I can't believe you called it soccer. Ugh, ugh. That's what you called it before you called it association football. If anything, it's the English language moves quicker in England, Britain. Yeah. This side of the Atlantic. And so there's a lot more old things. Mm, like gotten. Yes. Stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think... Um, that the Americans are great with our language, and I think we should further endorse and support their spelling. Yes. You agree? Well, not all their spellings. Like, where do you disagree? I have one word I can't get on with. Which one's that one? Aluminum. Yeah. That's not... It's just... It's when... It, I, I think that... I, I genuinely agree with their spelling. Like, we spell fetus with most of the vowels in a random order, whereas they spell it F-E-T-U-S. And, and I'm, not, I'm not... That looks like fetus. I'm not... Well, I'm not arguing for phonetics, but I am arguing for simplification of spelling. Um, uh, I I quite as somebody who's never find spelling too difficult. I quite like spellings like that because there's a bit of you can see the history of the the word sometimes in them. You can I don't know where it comes from with fetus, but with other words you can see what its derivation is. And so, but uh, about a thousand years ago in 
England, they mm -hmm. had to start standardising spellings and things because of the tax collectors. All right. And so all round uh, England, uh, the example I can remember is church, was Kirk or church or or some variation of the two. Was it a U or an I? Was it a K or a CH? Okay. Or Kirch or whatever. And so in Scotland it's still Kirk. But in the UK, uh, a lot of the words got standardised to uh, the London form or the Kent form. All right. And so it's the start of how regional variations in England. And what does that have to do with tax collecting? Uh, they needed to write down, you know, so-and-so, how many bushels of wheat came from so-and-so church or so-and-so right. landowner. And, mm -hmm. and so words like, I guess, beef, wheat, they had to be standardised otherwise. Or heat. Yes. Or heat. Or heat. Or heat, yes. And so there's, there's all the things like in Shakespeare, the words that don't rhyme now but would have in his day. Mm -hmm. uh, which isn't an excuse to make Shakespeare better. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> He was such a good comic, though. That's where he shone. Was he? Did he stand up? In the comedy section. Absolutely. Shakespeare's stand-up would have been great. In the interval at the Globe Theatre. Right, you, you've just seen some people die. Now for a break. Funny thing happened to me on the way to the Globe today. <laughs> yes, that would be exactly how he would do it. Um, I was just watching um, uh, new episodes of Last Comic Standing, which was impressively a show that was cancelled, and then uh, somehow on TV anyway. Oh, it's made by NBC, in which they have... Um, it's essentially, you know, all, there's uh, so many millions of these shows. They've got Pop Idol, and if, I don't think you've got Pop... X Factor replaced Thanks for my sense. That's my best sentence I've ever done, what said. Um, right, so yes, you've not got Pop Idol anymore, apparently, but you've still got American Idol, and then there's X Factor, there's Britain's Got Talent, there's America's Got Talent, there's So You Think You Can Dance, there's My Favourite Way to Cook a Pie... Um, Are you going to list every single one of these off? I uh, like to win at uh, charades. That's a good show. Mm. Britain um, owns cats. That's, that's my absolute favourite. Cause, you got uh, through to the regional heat, didn't you? I did, because I, I, I do literally own a cat, but then they found out that I, I share ownership of the cat with three other people, and that's controversial. No, they weren't yeah. competing until I was eventually disqualified I, in the semi-finals. They were looking for somebody who had probably burst into tears on the stage and not make more <laughs> cracks back at Anton Deck so oh do we, I've had enough of Anton Deck now I was never I never minded them because everyone objecting to them because they were I don't know chirpy is fine but it's just they've had their go they're still PJ and Duncan PJ and Duncan exactly um, one of them's completely blind from a <laughs> uh, from a paintball no he recovered no miraculously no he's completely blind oh, oh okay. yeah, that's G he just acted the recovery. That's right. Yeah, that was just pretend for Biker Grove. Here's my Biker Grove fact. Go on. Um, at the end of Biker Grove, when the, the when they had the whole tune of Biker Biker Grove, and then he has <laughs> that was the laugh of a character called Fergie that no one Fergie? remembers. Yeah. See, I thought it was Spuggy. It's not Spuggy. Which means Sparrow it's, in Geordie. It is it. Yeah. Yeah. Back to British dialects again. There you go. Yeah. It's, all, it's all about this week's episode is about British dialect. I, I learned another fact the other day. Yeah. Uh, the sort of West Country uh, fake accent that people do when they say "I be going down pub" mm -hmm. is actually the "I be" isn't people not bothering to learn English properly. It goes all the way back, and it comes from the same place as like German "Ich bin." Oh yeah. And so it's not wrong English; it's just very old English. 
<laughs> not wrong English. Yeah. Oh, like, it's the sort of, oh, they're yokels, they can't be bothered to say, I am. Yeah. Like, in the same way Tarzan does, me Tarzan. Uh-huh. It's not that at all. It's actually from a really old root. What about, what about, I'm going down boozer? That's just what you say to your Laura. That's right. <laughs> that's, what, that's, my, that's how I address her. Oi, Laura, going down boozer. Cook me dinner, love. Where's my slippers? <laughs> I don't own slippers. Do I, should I own slippers? It's up to you, really. <laughs> Thanks. I'm asking you to make my mind oh, up, okay. If you can get a pipe and slippers set from Marks and Spencer's... I don't want a pipe. Surely everyone wants a pipe. No, I don't want to smoke. It's horrible. Well, my dad smoked a pipe when I was a kid, and so I quite like the smell just because of its associated yeah, well, exactly. with that. But I don't like the idea of breathing it. Nor do I, but I like the idea of standing there with a pipe. Right. Possibly a comfy armchair. What about a bubble pipe, then? It just Would it smell? Have the smell, but not the breathing? Oh, that's cheap. I don't know. Um, tobacco air freshener and a bubble pipe. That's slippers. The, tobacco air freshener is, is less popular than they thought it was going to be when they launched that. <laughs> Did they actually launch it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was like a big, big thing. Tobacco air freshener. Make your home smell like a dirty old pub. I think was their slogan. <laughs> it's a bit like BO-flavoured deodorant. That's right. <laughs> Smell like you've just been exercising. Yeah, it's a good idea. Well, that's a great idea for me. <laughs> I could put that on if people were like, Ooh, have you been running? I'll be, oh, whew, yeah. Ooh. yeah it's it, pheromones and everything. Yeah, it's true. Every, I do run over every morning. I get up and I run straight to the bathroom. But then I have to walk back because I'm tired. Oh. Yeah, that's my joke. That's my running joke. It's <laughs> good. I used my running joke. If I were a stand-up comedian, I'd do that joke and then just be prior to being booed off stage. Okay. Have you ever thought about being a stand-up? Um, no, no. That I answer like... means yes, but you've thought about <laughs> it in a negative way. Yeah, that's right, because I think I'd be really bad at it. So I like, I, I like standing in the front of a room and talking and getting people's attention and showing off. I like doing that. But I'm not quite sure I'm cut out to survive in a, a stand-up comedy crowd. You've got to pick your audiences. Yeah. That's the trick. I find the best audience to do any jokes in front of are Christians, because most of them have never heard jokes before. <laughs> They're like too busy being good about stuff, and when you stand up and tell a joke, they're like, oh, "Jokes? What is this? I'm feeling this strange sensation of laughter." And so they're kind of really easy crowd. It's like a Wimbledon crowd. Yeah, you can you just go to Wimbledon, and all you have to do is mime a telephone, and you're the funniest man who's ever lived. <laughs> People rolling around on their seats laughing. So it's all about it's all about picking your crowd. Oh yeah, I might just exclusively do stand-up comedy at Wimbledon. Yeah. Would you get in as a stand-up, or would you sneak yourself in as a regular punter, or even a tennis no, player? No, I'm gonna. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna become one of the top 24 tennis players in the world. Mm-hmm. This oh, is you're my close. plan. You're nearly there. Yeah, I reckon I'm just a few hundreds of thousands of spots just off. Just a moment. step up from the Wii. I just to need to. Real I just need tennis. to learn to play tennis. It's a horrible game. Once I've learnt tennis. I'm going to become one of the top 24. I'll get seeded. Is it okay. 24 seeds in Wimbledon? I don't know. It might I be easier care. to be the umpire because then you've got the microphone already. <laughs> that's a good point. But I just think that that's not as stupid as becoming a player. <laughs> and then when I've become... What I'm going to do is I'm going to get through to the semi-finals of Wimbledon. That's okay. my plan. Yeah. At which point, just middle of the game, I'm suddenly going to break... Just drop my racket, grab the mic from the umpire and then say, you know, so a funny thing happened to me on the way to the tennis tournament. And that's how I'll. That's how I start. And the crowd will just exp- just die laughing because if you actually did a if you actually did a joke at Wimbledon, 
rather than just you know miming a telephone or l- l- pointing at yeah. a pigeon or whatever the yeah. other these comedy or greats shouting, have done. Come on, Tim! When Andy Murray's playing, that is funny though. That is always funny. In fact, I think it's probably funny to shout it when there's no British player involved at all. That's about the only um, chant there is at Wimbledon now, isn't there? I think maybe even not at tennis. Okay, maybe like at a cricket match. Go, come on, Tim! In the middle of the in the middle of the match. Um, I think that'd be very funny. I've just made a giant spike shouting. I shouldn't shout on the podcast. I'm sorry, everyone. Oh, dear. I'm just going to move that out of the way. Just rearranging my windows. I have a theory that um, kids nowadays are like going, Mum, Mum, can I go around Mike's house to play? And they're like, not until you've tidied your desktop. <laughs> you've got unused icons all over the place there. Except for the hide-all icons is brilliant. Hide-all icons? Yeah, you go to desktop on... I think it's certainly there on Vista and Seven. Right click and then it says view, and under view there's a little like, triangle. You go mm. there and it's like, hide all icons. I can't believe you, Nick, of all people, know anything about Vista. This is very peculiar. It's unnerving me. It's all about knowing yeah. everything. Is that right? <laughs> is that what it is? I know everything, didn't that's, you? Know? That's true, you do, you do know everything. So, yeah, so that's how I'm going to become a stand up comedian is by taking over Wimbledon. That's a good plan. Yeah. What's your plan to become a stand up comedian? Uh, well, first of all, if I did become a stand-up comedian, I'd take on a chair and sit down and say, I'm not a stand-up, I'm a sit-down comedian, which automatically gets a laugh every no, time you do it. No, it absolutely <laughs> doesn't get a laugh. That's the opposite. What you're hearing is crying. <laughs> crying and despondency. Well, laughter and tears are very close. I'm going to take people on a journey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, you're, in your career, you're going to find that line between <laughs> laughter and, and just... Outright sobbing. Just going to take people down the road of extreme emotional highs and lows. Yeah. Like <laughs> bad jokes. Mo- primarily focusing on the lows. Yes. I feel. And, you know, people immediately assume that if you stand there or even sit there with a microphone in a comedy club, you're going to tell jokes. So mm-hmm. you can subvert their expectations by not telling jokes. That's true. Mm. So what would you do? Just tell them facts? Uh, or things that sound like jokes but really aren't. Right. <laughs> like uh, like went, your favourite one I went to a doctor That favourite joke is a great joke I went to the doctor the other day And the doctor said to me um, So what's the problem? And I said Well I've got this um, This strange sensation in my left leg It's going up and down my left leg And, it's going, and the doctor said um, So how long have you had that? And I said oh, It's been about a week And he said um, Does it hurt when I press here? And I was like No What about here? Like, oh yeah goes, oh, I think I see what the problem is I think what you've done is you've strained you strained your muscle just here And um, it just, it's not it doesn't need much treatment You just need to strap that up um, just try to go easy on it for about a couple of weeks and it should be fine. That sort of thing. Yeah. I, 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 once told <laughs> a, I, I did once tell a joke to uh, a German who replied with... Uh, uh, he said in Germany they have jokes like that that are quite common. They're called anti-jokes. Right. And uh, it's something like uh, an apple and an orange were rolling down the hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, which got to the bottom first? The orange. That's it, is it? That's, That's it. the joke. Subverting your expectations. It's, you know, this is the cutting edge of comedy these days. It's not to be funny. That's right. That's right. That's the trick. What do an af- a monkey and a bicycle have in common? Nothing. They can both climb trees except for the bicycle. See, that was a real joke. Yeah, that, that was, was a real joke. Oh, you subverted my... I like that. I did. I doubled back I on you. double whammy. Wow. That's clever. Yeah, email in a podcast at Rum Doings with your subverted jokes. Yes, right. <laughs> waiter, waiter, there's a fly in my soup. I'm terribly sorry, sir. That's absolutely awful. We'll get you a new bowl right away, and of course it will be on the house. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Doctor, doctor, I feel like a pair of curtains. Okay, well, obviously this is a, this could be quite a potentially serious uh, psychiatric condition. What I want to do is I want to send you to a referral to a specialist in this area. 
Um, and I just want to... I mean, obviously this could just be stress, uh, but at this point I just think it's important to get a proper psych evaluation and just see how we're doing. Move mm. on from there. How's that sound to you? Now you're getting into satire. Is that satire, <laughs> is it? Sat- Subverted satire. It's not topical or angry or subversive in yes. any way. <laughs> subversive satire. That's that's what the Now Show does. Yeah. It's subversive satire. Uh, I've suddenly realised how clever they are. All yeah. this time we've been wrong about the Now Show. They are geniuses. They're They've been subverting. The That's right. They've been thinking outside the box and by, pushing the envelope. <laughs> by not being funny at all. They've been brilliant. And, and, and just happening on Radio 4. I think Mitch Ben might be the cleverest man in the whole world. Yeah, he's the key comedian of the noughties. That, that, that show's been on Radio 4 for approximately 30,000 years now. It has, he's even sung. longer than, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. Yeah, that's right, and he's sung two songs per week, and not one of them has been anything other than dreadful. It's height of comedy. That, that is exceptional. I'm burping with surprise <laughs> how, how, what a genius he turns out to be. So this is okay. So I've got Wimbledon. You've got um, subversive, subversive sit-down, pun-based, no joke humour. Yeah. And with this, we're going to storm the comedy world. We are. We are. We should do a double act. It's going to be quite hard because I'm going to be in Wimbledon. You're going to be in comedy clubs. We'll have to have some sort of live video link up. Yeah, Skype. Yeah, <laughs> Skype for double act. That's a good plan. And eventually, we'll get our own BBC Saturday evening TV show. Well, do you think Rum Doings is also pushing the envelope by? I'm not quite. I'm. It's probably obvious. I don't understand what how push, pushing the envelope means anything. Pushing. Nor do I. It I just, where I just love management speak that doesn't quite work. Yes. <laughs> we're um, we're uh, oh, I can't think of any words now. What's that word beginning with S that they always like to say? Synergy. Synergy. Yes. This is synergy. We're performing some synergy right we now. We are. We're the greater than the sum of our parts. We're synergistic. Synergistic. Yes, that's how you yeah. pronounce that. I, I'm greater than the sum of my parts. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I'm so tired. So oh. tired. Such a sad story. Quickly entertain me. Wake me up. Um, I could tell you the joke about the ten foot wall. No, please, no, <laughs> no. We're not. We mustn't do that. Okay. Um, uh, the weather's nice today, isn't it? That's good. That's much better. Yes. That's British. It is exceptional, though. We should be doing rum doings on the field. Can we do rum doings on the field, please, Miss? Please. I love begging teachers to do that. Can we please have chemistry on the field? How do you possibly propose we do chemistry on the field? We could burn the grass. Yeah. We had a physics teacher who was up for that. No, we did have a chemistry teacher who did chemistry on the field. We made rockets and fired them. Wow. Um, he, we had to do them in the field because he'd got in trouble the, a couple of weeks before for firing down the corridor <laughs> and hitting the head of chemistry. <laughs> if he'd hit anyone trouble. else, would it have been OK? That would have been fine. A pupil, for instance, would have been yeah. no problem at all. We, we learnt about capacitors by a physics teacher who uh, estimated the, the mass of an unnamed maths teacher walking past at the time to work out the size of the capacitor needed for create a potential difference that would throw her off her feet, feet oh, yeah. six feet in the air. Uh, we quite liked him because he would, had a dry, sarcastic humour, uh, but we could never remember anything after his lessons. Oh. He was still our favourite teacher. I can't remember if I've talked about Mr Rutland, my physics teacher, on Rumdoings before. Um, because I can't remember anything I've ever talked about on Rumdoings before. Have, we, have I ever recorded an episode of Rumdoings before? Uh, what is this rum doings of which you speak? I've never, I've no idea. Who are you? I had this, I don't know, where am I? I'm so frightened. 
I, so we had this teacher called Mr. Rutland, and he uh, decided to build a thermistor one, le- one lesson. Isn't that something you do with a lobster? Oh, stop it. No, <laughs> stop come it. on. No, no puns. Come on. Let's move on. Um, and so he built this thermistor, and, and he, he made it, and then he said... Because my mum taught at the same school, and he hmm. said, John Walker, come here, I know your mother. That's the instruction. And I had to kneel down on the floor or something so he could put the thermistor under my tongue to take my temperature with it. Ah. At which point he electrocuted me under my tongue because, of course, it has a current running through it. And I jumped off and went, Mr. Rutland, you git! On top of my voice. And he was like the most feared teacher in the whole school. And everyone was like, <gasps> And then he laughed. Everyone was like, oh. I was, yeah, so that's I got electrocuted by my teacher. I think the most feared teacher in our school was the PE teachers just because they were the PE teachers. Uh-huh. And no other teachers had the power to make you, well, stick your head. Where rugby teachers make you stick your head. Ooh, how awful! And, and do laps and things. We had a, a gym teacher who wanted boys to stick their heads where they shouldn't alter, and he clearly hadn't received enough cream teas, and eventually had to go to prison for a little while. Oh dear! He used to make sure we all had a nice shower. Come on, boys, need to check that you're all showering. He used to say. And then he went to prison. But then I feel like half the people I know had a gym teacher who was a pervy paedophile of some nature. It's like maybe they should have a slightly more stringent screening process before people are allowed to become gym teachers. <laughs> maybe they do now. I mean, now, now they do have sports science degrees. Maybe that's part of the maybe that's it's, it's the, science, the, the science of sports teachers. Maybe they should have um, in the, uh, the the staff room for gym teachers. They should have like just like a, some sort of project, some sort of side project of a charity. They should have just a cream tea made available to to gym yeah. teachers whenever they're in the staff room. Yeah. That would have been good. That's my plan. That would have saved us all having to show our willies to Mr. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I should name him. I mean, he did... He was evil. Not evil. <laughs> evil like he's a demon. He was naughty. That's right. He was a bit naughty. <laughs> I find you guilty of being a bit naughty. You must go to prison for a hundred years. Now they're just naughty step. <laughs> the naughty step That's They should have that in court They should have the court naughty step Not for like actual punishments But for if you do You know if you Because I know everything I know about courts From watching TV Oh yeah And if you say something goes, If you one more word out of you I'll find you in contempt of court And I think that should be a naughty step punishment Yeah Just outside the courtroom So you can hear what's going on But not be part of it Mm-hmm <laughs> it was like the, the punishment at school was to be sent out of the room. So yes. Where is the punishment there? Oh, well, I had a teacher in my middle school um, called Mrs. Joyce. Mrs. Joyce. That was her name, Mrs. Joyce. Hope you're listening. I bet she does listen. I bet she listens to Rum Doings. Obviously, she does. Yes. Like, she must be a hundred years old now, Mrs. Joyce. And so she used to. She didn't like me very much, and I don't understand why because I'm adorable. Um, and and she genuinely she genuinely picked on me. Now I got in trouble at school all the time because I was a gobby little git. But um, in, in this case, it was genuinely being picked on. It was quite strange. And she used to send me out of the classroom pretty much every day to the point where I would bring a ball to school in my coat pocket <laughs> for when I got sent out. 
for so, the sort of great escape. Literally, thing. That's, I'd never seen the film. But that's what I was doing. I go down to, I wander down to the cloakroom down the corridor, get the ball out of my pocket, come back out, stand where I was meant to be, and I just bounce the ball off the floor onto the wall opposite wall and catch it in my hand again. And that's how I entertained myself. I had no idea that I was emulating the great escape at all. Wow, greatness runs deep in your veins. That's obviously. that's what it is. She would let me back into the classroom at the end of the like. I'd be out there for goodness knows how long, and she'd let me back in. Um, and then she would make me sweep up the floor with a dustpan and brush after school had ended. Well, at least you've um, got a dustpan and punishment. brush. That's true. Oh, we're being attacked by a cat. It's um, a giant cat. No, wait, I'm too close to it. <laughs> People don't like when we talk about the cat on the podcast, I don't think. But I think last week, last time, you could hear him on it, so he got to. He had this cameo with me running away, which was pretty good. My um, geography teacher didn't like me because I could yeah. complete his jokes. Oh, dear. Even at the tender age of 14, I knew enough bad teacher jokes mm-hmm. that he just blanked me ever since I think oh that's a bit sad well I um, yeah Mrs Joyce would make me clear up with a dustpan and brush and then um, what I she would go oh John I just blah, 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 blah. and then I would um, so I would just very quietly while she was talking put the dustpan and brush down and walk out of the room while she was like, telling me off I don't know how long she would keep going for but eventually it was like parents evening I was terrified and my dad went in and shouted at her and told her she was a rubbish teacher. <laughs> I was like, hooray! So I always dreaded parents' evening because I'd always get in trouble, but that one was great. Well, yeah, parents' evenings had the, the potential, the small potential for a victory for you, but most of the time it was a victory for the parents. That's for right. The teachers. For the teachers. And it's like teacher revenge. I think that's what they're for. Yeah. I've had to put up with your little git of a son for the last <laughs> eight months, and I'm going to blooming well tell you about it. <laughs> My mum used to ask for more homework for me and my sister I don't think it ever happened because that would mean the teacher A having to plan more homework and B mark more homework I think you can sue for that now (laughs) not enough homework or too much no you sue your mother (laughs) for uh, for asking for that that's not that's not reasonable at all no I used to dread parents I used to sit at home just quaking waiting for um to come home because I also I also used to figure like two weeks before reports or two weeks mm. before parents evening if I changed my ways there and then it would make all the difference <laughs> well it works at Christmas time doesn't it <laughs> that's right worked on Father Christmas so it should work on my teachers that's what an advent calendar's for <laughs> start being good now that's right and it kind of works sometimes sometimes you go John has shown recent improvement and mm. that was always a little bit of a positive yeah if you just kind of um but every single report I have, it's so funny just looking through the reports all the way through to the beginning of my life. Say, John is a very capable student, if only he would shut the hell up. <laughs> and my favourite report comment ever was Mrs. Brown, who was a. Uh, she'd retired and she came out to teach history because our teacher was off pregnant. And, um, and she wrote on my report John's work improved considerably once he realised that homework was not an optional extra. <laughs> and I could give it a sarcasm on that report. Yeah. It's splendid. It is, it is. So I bet you were good, though. I bet you, when you got parents' evenings, your parents came home and praised you. I was a fair old swat. Yeah. It's true. But I was a bit of a lazy swat, in that I knew I could get by with uh, as little as possible. Mm-hmm. So always homework at the last minute. Right. Always trying to blag my way through things. But, yeah, parents' evening wasn't... It was more of a, have they found me out and realised that I'm a lazy oh, so-and-so, right. rather yeah. than have they, you know, they obviously know that I can't, because I could, generally, except for sports and uh, design technology and languages as well. You had to learn things for languages, anything else, you could just work it out. 
Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's why I couldn't do. Yeah, because I used to blag everything. I blagged my entire way through school to the point where I could do my A levels and then turned out I could blag those until I failed horribly. But yeah, I blagged everything except that's why I was no good at languages. I guess. Well, first of all, I just didn't even have capacity to remember any French at all. In fact, in French, I'm still 15. Okay. Je m'appelle Jean Jacanson. Uh, well, so it's as far as I've ever got, I'm a, I've stuck, stuck at 15 in French. Well, I sort of learned bof. Oh yeah. And uh, I once had a conversation with someone in France just by asking why over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I'd just say pourquoi, and they'd talk away in French, which I didn't understand, and I'd nod, you know, the understanding yeah. nod. And then they'd pause, and I'd go, oh, pourquoi? And mm-hmm. I didn't quite realise that was the only word I used. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's good. So, That's yeah. Clever. I don't think you can get through a GCSE like that, though. You could try, particularly if the problem. examiner liked talking. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. Oh, I was so bad. I was so bad at French. But yeah, so I kind of... I blagged my way through. But um, Why? Uh, well, you see, it was because um, I was lazy. Ah. Why? Well, that's because um, of the aliens. I don't know. I wonder why I was lazy. What? I guess I was clever, maybe. Mm. And recognised the minimal amount I could do and still get away with it and still have fun mm. but then unfortunately what I did as a child was I just wasted my time playing video games and watching TV and of course that's never going to lead to anything useful in adult life is it? Mm, no. no no just doomed myself there so that's a shit that's a sad story yeah so what about um, Britain's Got Bus Drivers that's one of my favourite oh yes that's yes. a good one Every week you get to vote off a bus driver. Yeah, yeah, and they get set different challenges like driving the small bus down country lanes and driving the double decker bus under a bridge. Under under a bridge that's too small. <laughs> but there, there was a we used to take a double decker bus to school, uh-huh. back to school, uh, and there was a bridge that had to go on. Then we'd always hope it would get stuck, and then we realised that to go to school. That yes, day. and it did once. Yay! But it got stuck before it got to our bus stop, so we didn't realise. And these were, of course, the days before mobile phones. Uh huh. Believe it or not, they did it. They, well, yeah, they were. there were days, and so we were just stood there at the bus stop trying to work out when the right time to go home and try and not go to school was, uh-huh. or whether we should wait or whether we should not go home and try and not go to school and so on. But I was once on a bus which got its um, back window so suddenly got smashed. I think it must have banged into a, po- a wall or something as it was driving. And there's only there were only about four of us on the bus, and the back window just shot. <laughs> It was spectacular. And then um, it was all like the, sa- the safety glass. It all kind of yeah. clings onto itself in like fragmented little pieces. But because it's a bus and it was on the clutch so much of the time, it was going... And so we were sat in this... And, and every time we sat at any... We stopped and we had to keep stopping going up and down these... Yeah. You know, going all the way around uh, these bendy roads of Lark Hall. And it was going... And every time I did that, bits more... And it was, we were all the four of us on the bus just slowly making our way a few more seats <laughs> forward each time as more and more gloves started cascading through the bus. And obviously what the driver should have done was pulled the bus over to the side and turned the engine off. But what he did instead was panic and think, I need to get back to the bus station as quick as I can. See, one of the things I like about the British public transport system is that it is so weak and weedy at sometimes that you end up with this camaraderie with the other people on the afflicted bus that's true or the afflicted blitz spirit kicks yeah. in well it's just it's not as much blitz spirit as Britons don't talk to each other in public anyway yes, that's and true. so it requires some sort of oh, catastrophe I, oh, to make I us don't normal know. a catastrophe like the bus being late yeah yeah. yeah. Or, or you know the, the virgin trains with the windows you can't open the air conditioning packing up and mm-hmm. everyone's slowly sweltering and you're sitting there looking around going how soon am I allowed to talk to the person next to me and say something like oh it's getting a bit hot in here isn't it 
and then people start to get like I was on a plane, a Virgin plane that happens uh, to America once, and we were sat. The windows don't open on those. They really, they? <laughs> really hard to break them as well. Um, we were sat on the plane, and we were on the runway for five hours. Wow. Um, and planes on runways uh, can't if they t- if they don't have their um, engine running, they can't generate uh, air conditioning, mm. and so therefore. We, we we had some engineering problem. We were towed back to the thing, and they were doing that. And then they lied to us over and over and over again. It's really bizarre. Oh yes, yeah, so there's a bus sent out. There's buses sent out to collect you. We'll take you back to the airport. It'll be here in ten minutes. And it was another uh, four hours before that bus showed up, which was a little disorientating, especially when they didn't tell us at any point that it was mm. going to be longer yeah. than that ten minutes. And they just kept telling us. And there's like, oh, the cabin crew weren't allowed to find out information from the ground crew, and the ground crew couldn't let any of the cabin crew off to speak to anyone and it was like it was absolutely insane and we were all just getting hotter and hotter and more and more and more miserable and at that point we all kind of yeah people started chatting to each other like, oh yeah. isn't this terrible oh I don't know what to do <laughs> have you got some water yeah, that kind of thing yeah they, eventually they did generously offer to bring us some water which was nice of them yeah. and then people said put the bloody entertainment on you idiots and they went <laughs> okay and then they put on that stupid 20 minute long bit of sky news that, that oh, aeroplane, aeroplanes as far as I can tell aeroplane entertainment systems are run by a mum because it's like yes you can watch the films but first you have to watch the news and you can't I want you to pay attention to the news and watch it all the way through and the other thing they do is some of the planes have been on as they're sort of they finish the entertainment thing and they just put on a silent soundtrack of some European version of You've Been Framed right or or something like that and it's just you know uh, it can be done silently it's no languages so it applies to everyone because everybody finds two people dressed up as policemen pretending to arrest somebody hilarious right and they do various things like that you don't mean you've been framed you mean Beadle's about that's the one you blurred your Jeremy Beadle based projects yeah well sorry I should hope so sorry Jeremy because I was thinking that a foreign you've been framed would work in any language the people falling over show as I like to call it would work in any language at all maybe they should show that instead of Cracky I think the studio's about to blow over wow this is very exciting maybe we'll take off the creaking eaves of timber in the uh, in the side of this giant boat in which we record rum doings, it's um it's quite frightening me now. But John, you know about rules. Uh, yes, it's true. When, when I'm it comes in charge to of all the rules. Talking to strangers on planes and trains, mm-hmm. are, are there rules? I mean, if you're on a long haul flight, do you have to say hello to the person next to you? Oh gosh, no, you don't. You absolutely don't. And here's an even more important rule about long long haul flights: if you sit next to someone you know. It's very important to give them permission at the beginning of the flight to not have to talk to you all the way through the flight. Mm-hmm. So I've done 10-hour flights sat next to people who thought that it's important that we keep the chatting up because otherwise yes. it would be rude. It's not rude. It's in fact very, very rude not to let me just do all the stuff I've planned. I plan my 10-hour flights very, very carefully. I bring uh, uh, my my S9 with a whole bunch of TV shows and movies on. I bring my uh, laptop so I can get some work done. I bring my uh, you know iPhone to play games on. I've got my DS to play other games on. I've got uh, uh, my um, thoughts to think, stand-up MP- routines no, to plan out. I don't think any thoughts. My MP3 player loaded up with podcasts. You know, I've got so much entertainment that I cannot possibly be bored for a nanosecond, and I'm completely independent. I don't have to rely on the stupid set uh, TV mm. st- uh, rubbish and enforced news broadcasts and stupid blobby wobbly shape things and f- films on videotape still somehow on BA flights which you have to wait for all the other longest film to finish before you can start the next one because it's still 1987 um, and all this stuff you know, and, I'm in de- and I've got it all set and I'm really happy I do not want to have to constantly go take my headphones and go, someone just talks to you and goes um, oh yeah so and you're like I've got my headphones in and they're like what? what? and like yeah so um yeah no don't talk to me just let me do my 
thing is 10 hours on a stupid stinking one seat. It's 10 not... hours of me time. Exactly. Me, it's my time. You're not allowed to speak to me. Get off the plane. And are they your armrests? That's how I talk to all my uh, friends yeah. and, and, and girlfriends and so on on planes. Oh, okay. Yeah. What about armrests? Because I'm a little bit of a shrinking violet with that. I don't want to push someone off. Oh, right. I have elbowed people right off. Because mm. the, the armrest is shared, obviously. Yeah. Um, and therefore you have half of it to yourself or the front half normally the front half of the back half you can then show yeah. it that way but when your elbow overhangs the other side of the armrest at that point you've invaded my territory mm. and you're going to get an elbow well they should have a little bing shouldn't they where, you know where they have the little lights yeah. above your head it should just say you know centre person has armrest now bing two Ooh. hours later That's person good. on the edge does and That's if they're good. asleep then you can wake them up I once flew on a BA flight and the person in front of me I was so tired, I had one and a half hours sleep the night before. I was already jet-lagged, I was flying home, so I was going, going in a horrible direction from Seattle to, to England. Um, and I was crammed in the economy, and I had my right clicky knee trapped in the wrong place, and so I couldn't bend, straighten my leg. And the guy next to me was jiggling his leg up and down against my leg. Ooh. Just like, oh, oh, what's wrong with you? I've got my legs in my seat space, and he's mm. leaning out of his into mine, and jiggling his leg up. And eventually I just sort of whacked his leg. I was so tired and angry. It was crazy. And I was like, the guy in front of me, as before we take off, puts his seat all the way back, and it's like... Yeah. And his seat must have been broken because he's in my lap now. I could have kissed. I could have kissed the top of his head. Did you? No. Um, and uh, <laughs> I was so miserable. I was like, I'd asked the guy on the other side of the aisle to swap with me so I could have my right leg in the aisle so I could click my knee. And he said, um, he said he would. Then he saw this seat and I was like, no, there's no way I can. And then this flight attendant saw me and he and he said, um, he had, oh, you can't sit there. I'll move you. And he went away and he came back. He's like, I've managed to find another seat, but it's kind of it's not on an aisle. And I was like, well, that's just as bad then really isn't it and he went it's a 27E or something and I went hang on 20 <gasps> it upgraded me <laughs> hooray and so I got to sleep on the plane and everything it was brilliant oh I've never been upgraded have you not what's no. the highest class you've ever flown basic really yeah I mean uh, I guess the best sort of thing would be on one of the new air bus giant jumbo jumbos mm-hmm. whatever they're called because that's had the most new entertainment system right but in a sense, it was so huge that it's like four seats an aisle, eight seats an aisle, four seats. Wow. So it was pretty claustrophobic. How does the person four seats in get out to go to the toilet? Uh, maybe they don't. That's it. <laughs> they <laughs> have, have little commodes in the middle they of the should, aisles. They should, that would be much better. Um, the best I've ever flown is premium ever. I'd love to fly business just once. Just once, please. Please, someone fly me business just once. I like it on the little short haul flights where they pull the curtains across so the business people can have their newspapers and a little pat on the head for being that's right <laughs> paying the little bit extra I like it when, when you fly BA and they come around they bring out the newspapers and they bring the daily mail to the economy <laughs> section and they always go would you like a newspaper and I tend to reply yes that not that though <laughs> and then sometimes you always know a good cabin crew because they go oh, and they roll their eyes and they agree with you but oftentimes they'll disappear off and they'll find themselves a telegraph for you. Now, it's not enormously better, but at least it's got a good crossword. Has so, it? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the cryptic crossword the on the telegraph cryptic, is a yeah. good one. So, yes, yeah, so there's that. Can you believe it? It's time to stop. Is it already? Already it's flown by, hasn't it? Oh, fancy that. Oh, fan- fancy lady. Well, fancy that. I think it's good if we hide a Chris Morris reference in every, every episode. Yeah, oh, please do. That's the idea. Well, thanks, Nick, for coming down. I much appreciate it. No, 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 no. Thank you. That's good. I see what you've done there. Um, I'm going to press stop now. Any final thoughts? Not really. Right. I haven't had a thought for 45 minutes. It's good. That's true. As is evidenced. Bye, everyone. Love you. Bye.